live stream. It goes out on podcasts. People follow us in other parts of the world, other parts of this nation. Though we bring the word of God under the blood of Jesus. And the Bible talks about the seed and the sower and how birds try to steal the seed and it's demonic and we bind that commitment to go off this word of God. It will go forth and accomplish everything the Lord has sent it for it to do. But we ask you, Lord, tonight that there would be an anointing and a glory realm that's so powerful over this word to help, Lord, that every person that's going to be listening to this by the power of the Holy Spirit to give you their best ear and full attention and get our minds by the power of the Holy Spirit to really lock into what you're saying, that we're not distracted. The enemy's not going to be able to distract people. But, Lord, the Bible talks about eyes to see and ears to hear, that you would anoint our eyes and ears and help us to be able to see and hear and understand what you're speaking by the Spirit, that our minds will be clear and focused. They're not going to be um, on other things, but help us by the power of the Spirit to really be able to understand and comprehend it. Let your word go out, Lord, as the washing of the water of the word, light of revelation that shines forth and dispels all the darkness, all the lies, all the deception of the enemy, and brings truth. And let your word go forth as a mighty hammer that breaks down the strongholds of the enemy in people's minds and lives. But finally, Lord, that it will be those living seeds of truth sown into good fertile soil of hearts and minds and lives watered by the Holy Spirit and will take root, grow, and produce a hundredfold harvest of eternal fruit that remains till Jesus comes. In every life, every place it goes, that it will bear fruit. And the Bible says that you will, you're careful to watch over your word to perform it, that you will watch over this word. And Lord, that you said it will go forth and accomplish that which you sent it forth to do. So we stand on that promise. Let it go forth. Let the wind of your spirit carry this series out where it's supposed to go. Let your holy angels watch over your word that it will be able to bear fruit and be everything it's supposed to be. We thank you for it. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. All right. How many of you guys would say you at least understand more about the end times than you did when I started? Huh? All right. I've been taking it slow and, and trying to cover things, you know, with a, a method about it to put in a little bit smaller doses, I'm trying to break it out over, you know, 25 to 30 part series, you know, but this is really something that is deep to understand in times people that may hear this, you cannot just pick up the book of Revelation and just read it and really understand the end times. You have to, there's a, there's a law of first reference in the scripture. You have to go back to the Torah. You have to go back to things about the tabernacle and you've got to understand those things first because that's where the pattern is laid out numerology you understand the what the bible the numeric value of things are you understand the color scheme and the metals you also have to understand the tabernacle because you, there's it's referenced in book of revelation you have to understand things like daniel and the other prophets because if you don't understand them you're not going to understand the book of revelation and you also have to understand jesus's discourse about the end times and little, prof, little prophetic words that people like Peter and Paul kind of sprinkled in the New Testament. And Jude, you have to, it's, it's like putting a jigsaw puzzle together. Before you can put together that huge puzzle, you have to, you know what I'm talking about, you have to first do the, the outline of the outside, right? And you've got to kind of have a method about it. You just can't randomly throw stuff in there. It's not going to work, and it'll take forever to figure it out. So the framework... Is, is going back to that law of first reference, going back and studying what was in the Old Testament before you can understand the new. So that's kind of where we're coming from. But how many knows Jesus is coming soon, guys? I'm going to tell you. It, it's the, 
clock is ticking. Can you bring this mic down just one notch? This is not so hot. All right. I'm going to talk tonight about the coming kingdom. This is one of my favorite scriptures. I think every time that I hear this phrase, it just does something to me. I can't explain in my spirit. And here it is in uh, Hebrews 11, 8, starting with verse 8. It says, by faith, Abraham, when he was called, obeyed by going out to a place which he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith, he lived as an alien in a land of promise, as a foreign land, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, fellow heirs of the same promise. This is my favorite verse. For he was looking for the city which has foundations, whose maker and builder is God. Did you guys catch that? He wasn't just looking for the promised land alone. Look at this. Look how far Abraham's vision was into the future. He was looking for a city whose maker and builder was God. That's the new Jerusalem. By faith, even Sarah herself received ability to conceive even beyond the proper time of life, since she considered him faithful who had promised. Therefore, there was born even one of one man, and him as good as dead at that, as many descendants as the stars of heaven in number, and innumerable as the sand which is by the seashore. See, the stars in the sky that Abraham was shown are God's heavenly people. These are both Jews and Gentiles that have come into Christ. Okay, Jesus' Hebrew name, Yeshua. They've come into the Messiah of Israel. They've come into him. They've been born of the Spirit of God. They're supernatural. They're, they're the stars in the sky, okay? The sand on the seashore is the natural land of Israel and the unsaved, the non-Christian Jews. And God is at work in both camps, okay? And again, you have to understand God's plan for Israel before you can understand end-time prophecy. So there's a lot playing into this. All these died in faith without receiving the promises, but having, been, having seen them and having welcomed them from a distance and having confessed that they were strangers and exiles on earth. Did you know that's how God wants us to feel? You understand that. He doesn't want us to have our roots down deep into this world. He wants us to be living for the kingdom that is to come. Like Abraham, we're to be looking. This is what I'm going to be going back to throughout this series. We're going to be looking for the kingdom to come. He was looking for a city whose maker and builder was God. That's not here. That's a heavenly thing. For those who say such things make it clear that they are seeking a country not their own. And indeed, if they had been, thinking of the country for which they went out they would have had opportunity to return but as it is they desire a better country that is a heavenly one therefore God is not ashamed to be called their God for he has prepared a city for them did you know the Lord is making a city for us Jesus said I go to prepare a place there's literally a city I'm going to read about it tonight did you know God's making a big city a giant city it's going to be about as big if you look on the map okay from Texas all the way to California that's how big it is square that's a big city. But we're passing through this life. And, and like I said earlier, we're not supposed to get our feet sunk down too deep into the soil of this world, but we've got to keep our head up, 
looking for Christ coming in our feet, moving and be about the kingdom because we're not supposed to be all entangled and wrapped up with the cares of this world too much. 1 Corinthians 2.12 What we have received is not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God so that we may understand what God has freely given us. So there is a spirit of the world. I talked about it last week, and I'm going to kind of pick up from that, but I'm not going to dwell on it too long. But there's a spirit of the world. And we see in Revelation 17 how the false prophet, that Jezebel spirit, first off, let me back up, that Jezebel spirit comes in a form that is attacking order and unity. That's against the family structure in the home and against the order, lines of authority in the church. That's the number one attack, okay? But the other attack is Jezebel will come as a false prophet spirit, false revelation. It's, it's a spirit that, promotes the, that will promote the false prophet and the false church and a false gospel. And that is in the earth, and it's already happening. I think you guys, by the end of this sermon, I know the series has painted a good picture, but by the end of this sermon, you're going to see how far down into the end times we really are. The Lord could come this year. You never know. I mean, we're, we're getting really close. And so Jezebel comes in that way as the harlot, the, the harlot bride, the harlot church that is a false church, a counterfeit church. And a lot of people are getting sucked into that. See, right now, there's a lot of people that call themselves Christians, but they don't know the Lord. They've never been born of the Spirit. I hope that people hear me tonight and really take this to heart. Because just because you're religious and you talk about Jesus, you call yourself a Christian, you go to church, doesn't mean you're saved. It doesn't mean you're going to go to heaven when you die. You better be born again. And if you're born again and you've had a new birth, you'll never be the same. You cannot continue to live in unrepentant sin because the Holy Spirit won't let you. You're different, and you don't continue to desire those things. God changes you. There's too many people out there that are a part of this harlot church. It's a, it's a counterfeit, false gospel that teaches people they can live in sin and still go to heaven when they die. They don't, they don't repent of their sins. They don't have a new birth. They just have a label. They say, I'm a Christian, but they don't know the Lord, and they don't live the life. It's a harlot bride. It's in the earth right now. And that harlot church will align itself with the false prophet when he arises to power. And the third way that this Jezebel spirit, this um, harlot comes, now, see, it came with the false church. That's religious. That's the attack of the devil that's religious. It makes people religious, but they don't really know God. But then in a secular sense in the world, it's the spirit of the world. It's the harlot of uh, Babylon Revelation 18 that seduces people into the world and into sinful things in the world and keeps them far away from God but I'm going to tell you that even though people go to church does not mean that they're free from the spirit of the world many people go home from church and they're so wrapped up with the world that they're in bondage to the world and the things of the world and because of that God's not really moving real powerful in their lives even when they come to church, it seems like other people are getting touched, but maybe they're not. But they're wrapped up with the world, and they go home, and they're watching stuff they shouldn't be watching in entertainment, and deep down they know that. And they're doing other things they shouldn't be doing, and it's, the world is, is just entangling them. And let me tell you that I'm even hearing preachers I would have never thought talk about stuff like this, openly talk about this stuff. But 
I've kind of talked about it in the past, but I've always not really worried too much about being politically correct, but I'm even hearing preachers now that are saying this stuff. But listen, the things that we think of as entertainment, years ago, back in the 50s or something, it was entertainment. It's more than that now. You gotta understand this stuff is not innocent anymore. I'm telling you as a man of God, as a preacher, and somebody that knows what they're talking about about this, that some of these Super Bowl things this halftime shows they really are satanic rituals and people are stupid enough to just sit there and go along with oh yeah you know and they're and they're they're a lot of them are drunk and they don't realize they're opening themselves up to things and i know that people say man are you serious yeah i'm dead serious and not only is it just with that but the music now there's something that is is a snare it's like an evil anointing on things that's trying to entrap people there's a power behind it that wasn't there, you know, 50, 60 years ago. But what it is now is, you know, we have these awesome, anointed, powerful evangelists that go out and preach the gospel. As you know, Satan has his, air quote, evangelists that are going out trying to ensnare people. And, and just as much as we have these powerful evangelists going out preaching the gospel, Satan has his little evangelists that are going out singing and dancing seductively and doing stuff and they're they're releasing things onto people to ensnare them and draw them in like a net it's like casting a net over the masses and it's preparing the way for the rise of the antichrist all right so let me give you some things about the spirit of the world i printed this off on tuesday so you guys could pray about it i'm encouraging people to take this list and really pray about it and ask the lord's forgiveness if you've allowed this stuff in your life Number one, there's a sexual, seductive, lustful draw to the spirit of the world. Y'all hear me tonight. Please hear me. Used to, years ago, before social media, you saw the pop stars and the movie stars dressing seductively and doing all these seductive poses and things, and, and their pictures would be in all the tabloids, and it was real sexual. Now, with the advent of social media, everybody seems to be doing that. You know what's happened? That same seducing spirit that was on those pop stars and Hollywood actors and such like people like that, now it's gotten on the average people that have looked to them like an idol and are trying to emulate what they see. And they don't realize that all these stupid selfies that they're taking and the way that they pose and the way that they dress and they're trying to be seductive and sexual and sensual they don't realize what spirit they're of. And I promise you it has nothing to do with God, Jesus Christ, or, or uh, the Holy Spirit. There's nothing holy about it. It's demonic. It's the spirit of this present world. How many of you guys can say, see, what happens is each generation, if somehow we have people that were like 200 years old here right now, they could give you an idea of just how far it's gone. But some of the younger people are like, you know, they're like 15 years old. They don't know what it was like 50 years ago, you know. That's why it's important to talk to the older generation and get wisdom from them. But I'm telling you, it has gone down. And you guys even know what I'm talking about because you see it with the, the music industry. Another thing is the occult. The Bible says, have nothing to do with deeds of darkness, but rather expose it. And those that practice the dark arts, the Bible says they'll be in the lake of fire in Revelation 21.8. So the occult, the occult has gotten so pervasive 
and Satan is trying to package it. You, you have to give credit. It is intelligent, like an evil genius, okay? He's trying to package it for little kids so that everybody thinks it's innocent and it's fun and games. Puts it in little kid movies and cartoons and, and little kid video games, and, and everybody thinks it's innocent, but it's not innocent. It's witchcraft. It's like Harry Potter was just for kids. It's still, it's still witchcraft and demonic. So the occult is very pervasive, and now you have people like uh, Madonna or Katy Perry and other people that are doing blatant witchcraft occult activity, and people are watching this, and they don't realize what is really coming through their TV. They don't really realize what's really coming through their computer. There's more to this than just music and just singing. I know that some people in the sound of my voice have no idea what I'm talking about when I talk about it, but if you go back to how many of you guys at least know about like the Ed Sullivan show and back in the day a long time ago and, and, and the, you remember, you ever heard of the Beatles? Okay, the, we're not talking about holding my hand stuff, right? This, that was back in the day, hold my hand, the Beatles, okay? We're not talking about those goofy songs where people are just singing and playing guitar. We're talking about now, there's a, y'all please get that there's a seducing occult witchcraft spirit on these entertainers and they're going out anointed by the devil like a little evangelist to cast the net over the masses and try to pull them in and it's putting them under some kind of an influence over their mind i'm telling you the truth it's the spirit of this world and it's preparing for the rise of the false prophet and the antichrist another one is idolatry the bible says to love the lord your god with all your heart mind soul and strength the spirit of this present world will cause people to have idols. They just can't give up that listening to that band. They just can't give up watching those kind of movies. They just can't give up doing this. It's the spirit of the world. It's got something wrapped around them. Why can't you just give it up and not care? We don't need anything in our lives that's entangled us so much that we cannot give it up. Come on. That's a bondage. And I've been ranting about the entertainment industry, so I've probably already hit this, but some people are so wrapped up in the entertainment world that they're neglecting prayer, and they neglect, neglect personal and corporate worship, and they neglect the house of God, they neglect witnessing, they neglect, neglect the Bible study that they need to be doing. But we see the example of Jesus that he would pull away early in the morning and seek the Father in prayer. We need to make sure that we're not getting wrapped up with the world you know, to be honest, I don't know and I just don't care all the latest things going on. People may say, well, you're not relevant and stuff. I just don't care. Does it look like, y'all know me, does it look like I even care? I don't care what's going on in the world. I have a general idea of what's going on, but I don't, want, I don't care every latest movie coming out, every um, new song that hits the charts, every, uh, every uh, stat of every athletic player and all the different stuff going on. I don't care. I mean, I'm more focused on, look, what can we do for the Lord right now, okay? That stuff is passing away. It, you know, so we've got to make sure and keep ourselves freed up or we're not getting too entangled and wrapped up. And another thing is partying and substance abuse. That's the spirit of this present world. And even now, so-called Christians go out and party and drink and, you know, do uh, recreational drugs and club and go to bars and then go to church I, I love them but if they don't repent they're going to wake up in hell one day and be like why didn't somebody tell me and I, and I speak if there's a preacher that just by chance may hear this somehow 
that's got people like that in your congregation, you better tell them the truth because you're going to stand before God one day. All right, having affections on this world and temporal things instead of being heavenly minded. How many people are so focused, their affections are on the things of this world. They're so caught up with their house, their car, their job, things like that. What does it say Abraham, about Abraham? It says he was looking for a city whose maker and builder was God. He had his eyes upward. Too focused on this world. Some people, they're so wrapped up with, you know, saving the environment and doing all this stuff. And, and we've tree huggers. Okay, I'm not making fun. I'm being animal activist. They, they'll weep, literally weep over a beached whale or some, you know, animal that is going extinct that that some hunter shot you know and i mean they'll sit there and just weep and then abort babies which is a total hypocrisy but you know what it is they're totally wrapped up in this world they're wrapped up in the things of this world did you know the bible says when jesus comes that the earth that as we know it is going to be burned and cleansed with fire and there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth but these people are totally caught up with that it's going to burn <laughs> anybody else catch that point it's going to burn away as we know it. It's the spirit of the world. Too focused on self. Jesus said to seek first the kingdom and these other things will be added. Some people are just so selfish and focused on self. What I want, when I want it. focused on making money and some of y'all in the sound of my voice know that you come from families that care a lot more about their jobs and making money than they do the Lord in his house so y'all better hear me don't get so caught up with making money that you neglect the things of God okay put God first Jesus said do not store up treasures in this life where moth and rust destroy but to store up treasures in heaven that are eternal some people are way too focused on their looks. Real into body sculpting and fashion. You know, but the Bible says that these things are passing away, and it also says that bodily exercise profits little. But some people are so caught up with that. They're so wrapped up in their looks, and they've got to have the latest thing, and they'll spend so much money on this. Being caught up in what the world is caught up in. As you know, there's an interesting scripture where God said this. Jesus said that when the world weeps, we will rejoice. And when we rejoice, the world will be weeping. It's really a strange scripture. But what it means is this. <clears throat> the world was rejoicing and clapping and excited about here recently. I can use this example because it just happened. But at the whole um, Supreme Court decision to legalize gay marriage, you know, the world is rejoicing. But God's people are weeping. Why? Because we know what that means and how many people are going to end up in hell because of that. And some people are so caught up living for the here and the now. Let me ask you something. What would it be like for you if the Lord came in a couple months and you were gone anyway? I'm not saying be stupid. We need to have retirement thoughts and, okay, we need to have a plan. Okay. We all need to have some kind of a plan. But we're not going to get all wrapped up in that. We're going to realize that there's a, a possibility we're not going to even be here. 
we're living eternally. If we live in light of eternity, things like witnessing and prayer and being faithful to our post and our calling and what God's called us to, that's going to be the most important thing. So in light of eternity, I want you to think about this. What will matter? What would you do today if you knew you were going to be dead tomorrow? You say, well, I mean, I would, I would give more to the, to the kingdom. I would, um, I would witness. I'd make sure I, I had a good prayer time that day. You know what I'm saying? What would it be like if we started having an, an eternal mindset saying, I'm going to live today like I'm going to be dead tomorrow? I think all of our lives would be different. How many of you guys can agree with that? I'm going to live today like I'm going to be dead tomorrow. I'm going to make sure and not miss an opportunity to do something for the Lord. I'm going to make sure and spend quality time with him. I'm going to be faithful with what he's called me to do because if I'm gone tomorrow, I want to be able to stand before him being faithful. I want you to think about this. I want you guys to really pray about it. How much has the spirit of the world affected our lives? Did you know some people have become so desensitized to the things of the world that it doesn't even bother them anymore? And that's concerning because I believe it's the book of Jeremiah, but it talks about how God's people don't even blush at sin anymore. It's, it's brazen. See, one of the attributes of a Jezebel spirit is this. God's people, there's a holy boldness that comes from the Holy Spirit. And it's, it's humility and boldness. But a Jezebel spirit will be brazen. It's a counterfeit boldness. Brazen, that's the word. And it's rooted in pride. They're loud and it, it's a brazenness. It's, but see, what happens is the world causes people to get so desensitized to things that they don't even realize that it's sin anymore. They're not blushing at their sin. They're just openly living in sin and they don't care. They're not ashamed of it. Where it should be a shameful thing, should be embarrassing but they're not. So as I picked up from last week into this week now, I'm talking about Revelation 18 last week, and that was the harlot of this world and how judgments are coming on the world because of the harlot and because of how the people of the world were sinning with the harlot, and I believe that harlot is the spirit of the world. So in other words, the reason I'm preaching like I am is because I want you and I to be free from the spirit of this world and come out from among her, my people, so that you will not share in her plagues. Because there's things coming on the earth that is a judgment, and I don't want us to be wrapped up in the judgment. I want us to be God's holy people that are separate from this world. Amen? So, traditionally, let me jump into this now. Traditionally, people have taught over the years and believed that these 21 judgments, the seals then the trumpets, then the bowls, or you can call them vials, but the bowls, those 21 judgments traditionally have all happened in the time of the tribulation. Now, I've really studied the end times in depth, and I believe that this would be something that would come out of an educated view just because of how much I've looked into. I say that humbly, but I believe that maybe the seals could possibly be pre-tribulation. So let me kind of show you what I mean. How many of you guys remember the sermon I did on the beginning of sorrows? 
the beginning of sorrows was before Jesus comes, before the, the catching away of the bride, which is called the rapture. Before that happens, we're moving down into the end times. Matthew 24, Jesus said, there will be wars and rumors of wars. There'll be famines, there'll be earthquakes, there'll be pestilences, there'll be all these things happening, remember? These are the beginning of sorrows. This was before the Lord's appearing, before he caught away his bride and before the tribulation. So, I personally believe that it's possible, I'm not emphatic about it, but it's possible that maybe these seals are connected to the beginning of sorrows. But, you know, a lot of people, a lot of traditional views are that it's all just going to happen in the tribulation, okay? But let me just kind of paint a picture of my opinion, and you can take it however you want to. But the seal judgments are this. In heaven, Jesus was given this scroll that was rolled up, and it had seven different seals on it. And what the seals are is back in the day, okay, when they would use these scrolls and send them, they would roll it up and then they would drop some hot wax onto the paper where it met there so that it would not open and the king would take a ring that he had that had his insignia on it and he would press it down in that hot wax and it created a seal that if the person that was carrying the scroll, if that seal was broken when they got there, they know, hey, this guy read the king's document off with his head, right? You know, So they had to be careful to not let that seal be broken. In heaven, this scroll was given to Jesus, and there were seven seals. It would be like hot wax put seven different times across there, some kind of an insignia. And John saw this unfolding, and he wept because he realized, I'll talk more about next week, but he realized nobody was worthy to open this scroll except Jesus. And so that begs the question, what is the scroll? The scroll is this. It is the title deed of the earth. Adam, last week I talked about Adam gave the kingdoms of this world to Satan, and Jesus is going to come take them back when he comes. This scroll is the title deed from the Father, his authority, his right to that home. How many of you guys have ever paid off like a car or a house or something? You got the title. All right. That is what this is. This is the title to the earth. Jesus is right to it, to rule and reign. And so at some point in time, Jesus starts popping these seals one at a time as he's going to be opening this scroll. And when these seals pop, crazy, awesome, powerful things start happening in the earth as a response to that. And these are known as the seal judgments. I personally believe that these could be pre-rapture, pre-tribulation, uh, a pre-tribulation act anyway, that Jesus opens the seals. It may not be, but I, I'll tend to believe that it is. And the reason why is this. When the first seal, when Jesus takes this scroll and he pops this first seal, a rider on a white horse comes out. Now, this is the Antichrist because it's not Jesus Christ. In the book of Revelation, Jesus has many crowns. This guy only has one. Trust me, this is an Antichrist. I don't want to get off on that. too. It's a false Messiah. And so you see here the emerging of the Antichrist, which a lot of people have said, okay, well, that means that this physical man's going to come to power. But if you read this in context, all of these judgments here, there's 
uh, the seal number two is a red horse. Then there's a black horse. Then there's a pale horse. Now, how many of you guys know that there's not going to be a black horse guy riding around on the earth everywhere, that people are going to see him? Be, Fox News is going to be filming him running around, you know, waving his sword or whatever. This is, this is a spiritual horse, all right? And so when you look at this, people say, well, the rider of the white horse is the physical Antichrist coming to power, but the other horses are spiritual. You see what I'm saying? Probably what this seal number one is this. I believe seal number one has to do with the spirit that is going to prepare the way for the rise of the Antichrist. Y'all hear what I'm saying? And how many knows that is at work right now? You see that spirit of Antichrist. You see that prince of Greece I preached on, humanism, liberalism. Things are, are being prepared right now for the rise of the false prophet and the Antichrist. And I believe this is really a spirit that is going through the earth. This is a literal horse, but it's a spiritual horse. And the rider is a fallen angel that is going through and preparing things. Seal number two is the red horse which takes peace from the earth. Could it be, I'm just asking a question, I want you to think about it. Could it be that right now, as I'm talking to you, there's already been seals that have been popped? Because if I understand this, and I've studied this in depth for many years, if I understand this, these are very connected to the beginning of sorrows. You see the emerging of the, the movement and listen, even in America, you guys can see this. There, this present administration, more than any others, you see there's a preparation for the rise of the Antichrist. You're seeing so many different things. I mean, it would take, I could rabbit trail here for a long time, but you see so many things going on in America to try to prepare for the rise of the Antichrist. There's something going on in the spirit realm. Number two, seal number two is that red horse that's going out taking peace from the earth. How many knows that something has happened in the last couple of decades where there's not peace in the earth anymore? The third seal is a black horse, famine. You're seeing in so many different places famines, poverty. Seal number four, the pale horse, death in Hades. We're seeing a huge death toll and people being swept into hell right now. And the Bible says death in Hades will cause one-fourth one of the earth to be killed alone. Seal number five, and this will really hit home with you guys, justice for the martyrs under the altar. Did you know that there were people in the book of Revelation right here that had their heads cut off that were underneath the altar of God and they were asking God how much longer until our blood is avenged? Could it be, I'm just asking a question, that you're seeing with your eyes right now, seal number five popped, and you're seeing people being beheaded for their faith by ISIS, and they're coming under the altar of God, and they're asking Jesus how much longer until we're avenged, till our blood is avenged. I'm just asking. Seal number six, a massive earthquake, possibly volcanic activity that blackens the sky. I don't know that we've necessarily seen that yet, but I will say that we've seen some of the most incredible, serious earthquakes more frequently and more powerfully 
That, did you know, I don't know if this is true or not, but I heard this, and I heard it from credible people, that that Japanese earthquake, did it shift the Earth's axis or something? Did, was that correct? I mean, these are massive earthquakes, massive. And I believe that we're at least starting to see the possibility that maybe seal six is going to be popped. And then seal number seven, this is interesting, sealing the servants of God on their forehead, some kind of a seal on their forehead. And there's also going to be, this is two different events, I believe. There's going to be a sealing of the 144,000. I put them in here, but these are two events. Now, I want you to think about this for a minute. The Bible says that God's going to seal the foreheads of his servants. Now, let me just throw this out there and you think about it. In the Old Testament times, how did God anoint people with oil? What happened? They would take a horn of oil and they would dump it over their head. And that oil would run down their head over their forehead and run down like this on their garments. We also see today with all the great revivals that God's been pouring out and the best is yet to come. And we're going to be right in the middle of it. Amen that you see people being anointed with oil and what a lot of times people lay hands on their forehead and pray over them i'm just asking a question what exactly is the seal of god could it be the anointing i don't know so my question is could it be not that it is for sure but is it possible that right now these seals are being opened and the coming of the lord is near it might happen in the tribulation. There may be some things that are on a much higher scale. But to me, it seems like these are connected to the beginning of sorrows because you see peace taken from the earth. And Jesus said there would be wars and rumors of wars. But these are just the beginning of sorrows. These are, so you're seeing that, right? And then he said what? That there would be famine in various places and pestilence. Now on and on, this is a parallel to me. He said that you would be hated and thrown in prison and killed for his namesake. Remember that, Matthew 24? And you're seeing, again, people being killed and they're under the altar of God saying, how much longer till we're avenged? So when you read Matthew 24, the beginning of sorrows, and then you read the seals, it sure seems like they're connected, doesn't it? That's just my view of it. It's my opinion. It very well could be wrong. So just pray about it. Let God speak to you. But I believe that we're at least starting to see the seals being opened right now in our day. And then the coming of Jesus. How many of you guys are ready for Jesus to come? His first advent, he's going to meet us in the sky. But his second advent, his feet are going to touch the Mount of Olives. He's coming at first to catch away a bride that's made herself ready. But what is going to mark Jesus' coming? The Apostle Paul said it would be the shofar blast. And a lot of people believe, and I'm one of them, it's connected to Rosh Hashanah, but it's going to be the blasting of the shofar, and that's going to mark Jesus' coming. The dead in Christ, there's going to be a resurrection of sorts. The dead in Christ are going to come out of graves. And those of us that are alive that have made ourselves ready are going to be caught up with him. But not everybody, y'all hear me, not everybody calls themselves a Christian and goes to church and is religious and all that is going to be raptured. They're not. It's going to be people that are living holy that have made themselves ready. But it's interesting to me that that's what marks Jesus' coming as the shofar blast, the blast of the trumpet. So what we could be looking at is Jesus popping the seals. The beginning of sorrow starts happening. The seals are done. 
And now there's a great shofar blast as he comes to catch away his bride. And once the bride is caught away to the marriage supper of the lamb, then what? Continual shofar blast, trumpet judgments start hitting the earth. So we're looking at a seven-year period. The first three and a half years of the tribulation time could be marked with the trumpet judgments. I believe that they will be. And the first three and a half years is the wrath of the Lamb of God. It's Jesus taking vengeance on the earth for the way they treated his people. And it's also connected to, there's a morning and evening sacrifice in the temple every day. This is connected to the morning sacrifice, symbolically speaking. But let's look at the trumpet judgments. Jesus catches away his bride or at the marriage supper, and now the wrath of the lamb has come. He sees what people like ISIS have done to his people. He sees the abuse of governments. He sees how society has targeted and persecuted God's people. And now it's time for retaliation. And how many knows that it's very clear in the scriptures that Jesus' just judgments are just and true and they're righteous. Amen? So when he brings judgment, it's going to be just and true and it's going to be deserved. But trumpet number one says hellfire mixed with blood. Probably some kind of a bomb trumpet number two a huge meteor strikes the earth you guys know what a meteor is giant rock miles big huge rock coming down from the sky like a it's going to look like if you see something like that it's going to look like it's on fire okay this flaming meteor coming down striking the earth that's trumpet number two how many knows when jesus has these trumpets blown he means business amen <laughs> trumpet number three Possibly a dirty bomb of some kind, but it makes the water supply contaminated. So if you have some kind of a nuclear or a biological, some kind of a, a bomb that it's going to cause the water supply to become undrinkable. Trumpet number four. Darkness, possibly from a volcano or from bombs hitting the earth, maybe, but it's probably a volcano that there's going to be all of this ash that's going to go up into the sky and it's going to darken the sun. Now, I wasn't there, but my wife remembers when Mount St. Helens blew and all that, the sky became dark, didn't it? It's not a shot at your age. She's looking at me like, because we joke with each other about how old we are, okay? But she lived in that area and she remembers how the sky was darkened by that, correct? And so a lot of people believe that the volcanoes when they erupt, it's going to cause this soot in the air that's going to block out the sun. Trumpet number five, I read this to you previously, I believe it's Revelation chapter nine or so, but it talks about the unleashing of those demonic spirits out of the earth. You guys remember that? The abyss was open, smoke came out, and all these crazy looking beings came out that had tails like a scorpion to sting people. <laughs> these are demons, and they're being unleashed in the earth. And they have the ability to sting and torment the people that have taken the mark of the beast. It's going to be bad. In fact, in these trumpet judgments, there's three woes. <laughs> That's what it said. There's three woes where it said when that trumpet blasts, somebody goes, woe to the earth. 
okay? It's going to be bad for you. And this is one of those where somebody's saying, whoa, you know, because the scorpion demons have been unleashed. <laughs> Seriously, this is the one of the woes. And some people, some Bible scholars believe, and those that like this sort of thing, that maybe this is also going to result in some kind of an, a military invasion against Israel as well, possibly. But these are demonic spirits being unleashed. Then trumpet number six, four angels released by the Euphrates River. Did you know around Euphrates, if you guys looked at a map and you can see around Iraq, the Tigris and Euphrates, many people believe, and I do too, that Iraq is where the original Garden of Eden was, okay? So that area is extremely ancient. Around that area is also Babylon, okay? That's where the Tower of Babel was. There are some ancient fallen angels that have been bound around the, that area that are going to be unleashed at this time. When they are unleashed, it says that they will kill one-third of mankind. That's a lot of people. There's seven billion people approximately on the earth. One-third of that. It's over two billion people, guys. That's a lot of people. And then trumpet number seven. So when Jesus catches away the bride, what? There's a trumpet blast. Then there's trumpet judgments. The last trumpet to be blasted declares Jesus is king of kings and Lord of lords and that the kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our Lord and Christ, that he's coming to take over. That last trumpet. So the trumpet that's blown to catch us away, then you've got the trumpet judgments connected to the wrath of Jesus Christ, and it's going to end with them saying the kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So that's the first three and a half years of the tribulation. That's pretty bad. But that's nothing compared to what's coming. Yeah, so the first three and a half years are going to be what I read to you. Then in the middle of the tribulation time, the Antichrist is going to set himself up in the temple. The Jewish people are going to have to build their temple because it's got to be there, okay? The Jewish people are going to have a temple. The Antichrist has actually got the nerve. Remember I used the word brazen? To go into the temple of God. To create an idol there. What's on the Ten Commandments list? What's the first two things God said don't do? Don't have other gods and don't make idols. The Antichrist is going to make an idol of himself, which, by the way, can talk. How creepy is that? It's, it's, the Catholic Church has stuff like that right now. But anyway, it's going to be able to talk. And then he's going to demand that everybody worship him. So it's like, forget about the false prophet and that harlot church. He's going to burn that, destroy it. Now he wants everybody to worship him. And he's, he declares himself to be God. You worship me, he says. You worship my image. Well, you guys know as well as I do how the Jewish people are going to respond to that. There's going to be rioting. I'm just telling you. It's going to be a riot like you've never seen. And there's going to be a major revolt. So that's right in the middle of the tribulation. It's called the Days of Jacob's Trouble. Right in the middle of that, the Antichrist is going to sit in that temple, demand them to worship him, and the Jewish people are going to revolt. How many of you guys have read the Bible and you read that phrase where it says, until 
what Daniel foretold, the abomination that causes desolation. You've read that and thought, right over what in the world is that? Well, that's what this is. See, when the Antichrist sits enthroned in the temple, creates an image, and declares himself to be God in worship, that's an abomination. Can anybody argue with that? <laughs> that is an abomination to God, all right? And then when the Jewish people revolt against that, and oh, they will, when they do, the Antichrist is going to be enraged, and he's going to release his military against the Jews, and they're going to kill him. In fact, the Bible says two-thirds will die. And they're going to flee from that area some, uh, some scholars believe to a, a natural fortified area called Petra. It's not inside of Israel's borders right now, but it may be at that time. But they're going to flee somewhere. A lot of people believe it'll be Petra. Did you know right now that there's Christians that go to that fortified rock area called Petra and they put non-perishables and water and stuff because they believe right now there's water there and there's non-perishables because they believe one day the Jews will flee there and they want to make sure they have food and water. That's going to happen right in the middle of the tribulation time. Now, the Bible says it's going to be called the Great Tribulation. So you thought it was bad before. Now it's going to be the Great Tribulation. And Jesus said regarding this time, if those days had not been cut short, nobody would survive. So now God the Father is going to release his wrath on the earth in response to the way the world is treating Israel. And you're going to now see the bold judgments. This is, metaphorically speaking, this has to do with the evening sacrifice of the temple, okay? But this is the bold judgments. The first bold judgment, listen to this one, boils are going to appear on people that took the mark of the beast. I know you guys don't know what a boil is, so let me just explain it. Some of you don't anyway. Picture an open sore on your body about this big round all over. It doesn't close. It's an open sore. Producing a foul odor and extreme pain. So when you go into the shower, you feel like you're on fire. Yeah, that's just bowl number one. Bowl number two, the sea turns to blood. This has to do with salt water. The sea is going to turn to blood. Bowl number three, the fresh water turns to blood. Bowl number four, the sun becomes extremely hot. You guys think it's hot in Texas? Oh, man. It's going to really be hot. It's going to be so hot that people are going to die. Bowl number five, thick darkness will cover the earth. You guys remember that in Egypt? I'm about to jump, dovetail right into the two witnesses. These guys are really going to be something. But anyway, the, the thick darkness that comes on the earth, and the Bible references again in bowl five how painful their sores are going to be, these boils. Bowl number six talks about a war with Israel, the kings of the east starting to march against Israel. This may very well be connected to Armageddon, that they're coming. I, it may be two different wars, but I, I'm thinking that it's leading into Armageddon. And then bowl number seven is going to be a great earthquake and huge hailstones. 
Did you know the hailstones are going to be 100 pounds? How many of you guys have ever lifted weights and tried to pick up 100 pounds? Just 100 pounds. Those, those dumbbells that are 55 pounds, just to give you an idea, 100 pounds. They're, I mean, it's going to be hail probably bigger than a basketball falling on the earth. You guys know as well as I do, it's going to go right through roofs. It's going to total cars. Anybody it hits is going to be like a bug. Just people are going to be running. And I mean, where are you going to hide? But that's the wrath of the Father coming down on the earth because of the way that they have. Listen, the Bible says that we got to love the truth. Hypocrites are going to be here. I mean, this is people that did not love the truth. And they're given over to deception. You have to have a love for the truth and embrace the truth. So the first half of the tribulation time, there's going to be this 144,000 Jews that are going to be sealed by God and they're going to accept Christ as their savior and they're going to be powerful evangelists. Probably, I feel like they're going to go all over. God's going to take them like, you remember how Philip went to Samaria, he was literally translated to witness to the eunuch or, or translated from there rather. And they're gonna be like 144,000 Phillips. So the first three and a half years, the gospel's still going out like that. And I believe people are gonna be getting saved. But when the second half of the tribulation comes, those 144,000 are gone. It goes to show either they're raptured out of there, but it goes to show the martyrdom that's going to be happening during this time but see God's not going to be without a witness in the earth after that God's going to send two prophets I'm going to read this I believe that they're going to be Moses and Elijah some people think Enoch and Elijah but it's probably going to be Moses and Elijah because the law and the prophets but let me just read it to you listen to this Revelation 11 1 then there was given a measuring rod like a staff and someone said get up and measure the temple of God and his altar and those who worship in it leave out the court which is outside the temple and do not measure it for it was given to the nations and they will tread underfoot the holy city for 42 months this is the last three and a half years of the tribulation the antichrist and his military is treading underfoot the holy city okay and i will grant authority to my two witnesses now how many of you guys want to see this because i do i'm hoping that we're at the marriage supper i'm hoping that the lord just says hey everybody look down okay <laughs> I really do want to see this look look at this he says I will grant authority to my two witnesses Moses and Elijah are going to be there in Jerusalem okay and they will prophesy for 1260 days clothed in sackcloth that's three and a half years and they are my two olive trees the two lampstands that stand before the Lord of the earth and if anyone wants to harm them uh oh fire flows out of their mouth and devours their enemies don't mess with the two witnesses so if anyone wants to harm them he must be killed in this way with fire these have the power to shut up the sky so that rain will not fall during the days of their prophesying now, who did that elijah did that and they have the power he also elijah called down fire remember they have the power over the waters to turn them into blood now, who did that moses in egypt and to strike the earth with every kind of plague as often as they desire. So now Moses, who saw the plagues in Egypt just happen those times, they're going to be able to do it as much as they want to. 
So the more these people are ticking off Moses, the more the plagues are coming, right? And when they have finished their testimony, the beast that came out of the abyss will make war with them and overcome them and kill them. So God's going to allow them to die. And their dead bodies will lie in the street of the great city, which, which is mystically called Sodom and Egypt. But this is Jerusalem, where the Lord was crucified. Those from the peoples of the tribes and tongues and nations will look at these dead bodies for three and a half days and will not permit their dead bodies to be laid in a tomb. And those that dwell on the earth will rejoice over them and celebrate that they're dead. And they will send gifts to one another because the two prophets tormented those who dwell on the earth. So they're going to be happy that they're dead. Remember me saying earlier that while the world rejoices, we weep. When we weep, the world rejoices. Verse 11, but after three and a half days, the breath of life from God came into them and they stood on their feet and great fear fell upon them watching them. Man, you know that was scary, right? They were all excited they were dead and these guys stood back up. And it says, and they heard a loud voice from heaven saying, come up here. And they went up into heaven in the cloud and their enemies watched them. And in that hour, there was a great earthquake and a tenth of the city fell. 7,000 people were killed in the earthquake and the rest were terrified and gave glory to the God of heaven. The second woe was passed. Behold, the third woe is coming quickly. So there's gonna be two witnesses. So the first three and a half years, you got the 144,000, but the last three and a half years, even though those bold judgments are coming, the two witnesses are there proclaiming the gospel and performing tremendous signs and wonders. Do y'all want to hear how the story ends? All right, let me give it to you. It's got a good ending. Some people never heard this. And so after the, the two witnesses raised from the dead and they ascend, the bold judgments are complete. Then there's going to be this battle of Armageddon. This is where all the nations come against Israel to destroy it. See, all these people have taken the mark of the beast. They're demonized. The Bible says that they worship the dragon, which is Satan. They worship the Antichrist. They worship his image. They're pretty much given over, okay? And so it's not hard for the devil to draw them against Israel like that because all of us are thinking, why would the entire world circle Israel to kill them? I mean, but it's because they're under the influence of the devil. And so they all come against Israel. And when they do, this was the end of last week's sermon, Jesus is going to split the eastern sky riding a white horse and those that were at the marriage supper are going to be with him riding white horses so I have a white horse in a stable somewhere in heaven okay and so hopefully you guys do too and we're going to be with Jesus coming down and Jesus is going to slay them with the sword of his mouth his word he's going to slaughter these armies I mean they're all going to die and he's going to come in and take over the nations of the world and when he comes, remember last week, he's going to have the false prophet and the Antichrist bound and thrown alive into the lake of fire. So now let's continue the story. Jesus has now come, right, in the storyline. He's come, he's went to the temple, he's, he's set up his throne now. He's going to rule over the nations for a thousand years. He's, he's come. It says, I saw an angel coming down from heaven holding a key to the abyss and a great chain in his hand and he laid hold of the dragon, the serpent of old, who is the devil and Satan and bound him for a thousand years. So while Jesus is reigning for a thousand years, the devil, and when it says the devil here, it has to be referencing all the fallen angels and all the demons, okay, are gonna be bound 
under the earth for a thousand years. He threw them into the abyss, shut it, and sealed it so that he would um, not deceive the nations any longer until the thousand years were complete. In these things, he must be released. I'm sorry, after these things, he must be released for a short time. Then I saw thrones. So guys, listen, whenever Jesus is ruling and reigning, he's going to make the earth like the Garden of Eden. The, de the demonic realm is gone. So people are going to live longer and be healthier. There's not going to be the wars and the fighting and all the stuff that's been going on because the demonic realm is you know, eradicated. It's going to be more like the Garden of Eden. But you have to understand, there's going to be people there like us that, that are have made themselves ready those type of people that are going to have glorified bodies but there's also going to be people on the earth that don't have glorified bodies so they're still going to be getting married having children but they're going to be living a long time like three four five hundred years however old they live and the earth is going to be repopulated and it says i saw thrones and they sat on them and judgment was given to them and i saw the souls of those that had been beheaded because of their testimony of jesus and because of the word of god and those who had not worshiped the beast or his image and had not received his mark on their forehead and on their hand and they came to life and reigned with christ for a thousand years isn't that something see remember there was those people that were beheaded that were under the altar of god saying where's my justice when jesus comes it says that they're going to come out like a resurrection and they're going to reign with him for a thousand years. The rest of the dead did not come to life until the thousand years were completed at the end of the thousand years. This is the first resurrection. Blessed and holy is the one who has part in the first resurrection. Over these, the second death has no power, but they will be priests of God in Christ and reign for a thousand years. At the end of the thousand years. Now you guys know this because I read you the story. So what are we going to be doing during that thousand years? We're going to be telling people. Now listen guys, you've never met this guy. He's the devil, okay? He's been bound. I know that you were born after he was bound. And I know that all you've known is the reign of Jesus and peace on the earth. But I'm telling you, he's a bad guy. Don't listen to him because he's going to be loosed one day and he's going to go through here and he's going to be telling you all kinds of crazy stuff how you need to you know, join with him and come against Jesus. Don't listen to him. He's a liar, okay? He's tricked a lot of people before you and you know he's going to try to trick you. But listen to this. When the thousand years were completed, Satan will be released from his prison and will come out to deceive the nations which are in the four corners of the earth, Gog and Magog. Interesting, they're referenced again, isn't it? That those were the enemies of Israel that lead that great war. Anyway, to gather them together for war, the number of them is like the sand on the seashore. There's a lot of stupid people that are going to follow the devil. Even after they were told, you know they were told, okay? Their mom and dad told, people told them, and they're still going to follow it. And they came up, on the broad plain of the earth and surrounded the camp of the saints, the beloved city, they're going to surround Jerusalem. They're, they're dumb enough to follow the devil and then think that they're going to go dethrone Jesus. And so when they tried to surround Jerusalem, fire came down from heaven and devoured them. And the devil who deceived them was thrown into the lake of fire and brimstone. See, before the devil was just bound, now he's in the lake of fire. 
where the beast and the false prophet are also, and they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. Let's all just be thankful for that scripture right there. All right. So at the end of the thousand years, the devil's let loose for a time. He apparently amasses a pretty good-sized army to try to go dethrone Jesus. They're all fried by fire that comes from heaven, thrown back into hell or thrown into the lake of fire. Now at the end of the thousand years, this is that second resurrection from the dead so to speak watch this the great white throne judgment then i saw a great white throne and him who sat on it from whose presence earth and heaven fled away and no place was found for them and i saw the dead the great the small standing before the throne the books were open another book was open which is the book of life see when you accept christ as your savior and you're sincere and real your name is written in the lamb's book of life And the sea gave up the dead that were in it. Death and Hades gave up the dead which were in them. And they were judged, every one of them, according to their deeds. So, I mean, these, these are the wicked dead. These are the unsaved dead people that were in hell, that, were in the, that died in shipwrecks, that were all over. The, they're, they're being resurrected. They're going to have to stand before the great white throne judgment. And the books are going to be open. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death the lake of fire and if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life he was thrown into a lake of fire in revelation it mentions your name being blotted out of the book of life that's a scary these are this is sobering scriptures guys we need to make sure that we're right with god amen revelation 21 here's the very end of the story so right now the holy spirit is preparing for Jesus' coming then when jesus comes he's going to reign for a thousand years he's going to set the earth in order all the goat nations he's going to throw them into hell the sheep nations are going to repopulate the earth he's going to rule and reign over them satan's going to be bound he's going to get everything in order and at the end of his reign at the end of the thousand years god's going to allow the devil back out to come through you know why because god's always going to give everybody a choice that's why the devil was allowed in the garden of eden because adam and eve could have just said get out of here you ugly snake and he would have left but they listened to him and that's why the devil's allowed to be doing what he's doing now because everybody's going to have a choice and at the end of the thousand years god is going to allow everybody to have a choice are you going to serve me or the devil and so at the end of the thousand years jesus has prepared that thousand years he has prepared for the coming of the father at the end of that thousand years is the great white throat judgment that even the wicked dead are raised up and they're going to have to stand before God and they're going to be told why they're going to be in hell for eternity. Your name's not in the Lamb's Book of Life. You were witnessed to by Jerry. You were witnessed to by Rachel at such and such date. You didn't accept Christ. You rejected. You made fun of them. And now you're going to spend eternity in the lake of fire. And this is why. And they're going to be told why. So this is the second resurrection, but it's, it's a resurrection unto death into the lake of fire. And at that time, all of hell is going to become a lake of fire. It's not going to be like it is right now. So after all that comes, Jesus has got everything in order. He's the great white throne judgment's done. The Bible says, Peter predicted, that the earth is going to be purged with fire. Think about this, guys. The heavens and the earth are going to be burned and consumed with fire 
everything's going to be purified with fire and so after jesus has got everything ready everything's done everything has been settled all the accounts are settled then that's when the father's going to come down it says in revelation 21 i saw a new heaven and a new earth the first heaven and the first first earth were passed away and there is no longer any sea that's interesting and I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, made ready as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is among men. And he will dwell among them, and they shall be his people, and God himself will be among them. And he will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and there will no longer be any death. There will no longer be any mourning or crying or pain. These first things have passed away. He who sits on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. And he said, Right, for these words are faithful and true. Then he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give to the one who thirsts from the spring of water of life without cost. He who overcomes will inherit these things, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. But for the cowardly, the unbelieving, the abominable, the murderers, the immoral, the sexually immoral, the sorcerers, that's occultists, people that practice the dark arts, the idolaters and all liars, their part are going to be in the lake of fire, which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Then one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls full of the seven last plagues came and spoke with me saying come here and I will show you the bride the wife of the lamb so here's the last part of the story and he carried me away in the spirit to a great high mountain and showed me the holy city Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God having the glory of God her brilliance was like a very costly stone as a stone of crystal clear crystal jasper it had a great high wall with 12 gates and on the 12 and at the gates 12 angels and names were written on them which are the names of the 12 tribes of the sons of Israel there were three gates on the east three on the north three on the south and three on the west and the wall of the city had 12 foundation stones and on them were the 12 names of the 12 apostles of the lamb the one who spoke with me had a gold measuring rod to measure the city and its gates and its wall and the city is laid in a square its length is as great as its width and he measured the city 1500 miles in length and width and he measured its wall 72 yards according to the human measurements which are also angelic measurements the material of the wall was jasper it was a pure gold like clear glass and the foundations of the stone and it gives all these different jewels okay and the gates were a single pearl so the gates are going to be one huge pearl and the street of this city is gold isn't that something and i saw no temple in it verse 22 for the lord god the almighty the lamb are its temple and the city has no need for the sun or the moon to shine in it because the glory of god has illuminated it and its lamp is the lamb the nations walk by its light and the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it in the daytime for there will be no night there the gates will never be closed and they will bring the glory and the honor of the nations into it nothing unclean no one who practices abominable things and lying shall ever enter it but only those whose names were written 
in the Lamb's book of life. Isn't that awesome? So this huge city, 1,500 miles wide and tall, is going to come down and settle upon the earth in Jerusalem. And the nations are going to come to it. One guy, Perry Stone brought this out. It was really interesting. He said, you know, he said, it, people have always viewed this as a big giant square, but he said it could be that it's actually more like a pyramid. It's 1,500 miles wide and long, but it's like each layer goes in like this with maybe steps that are going up, and at the very top is going to be the throne of God. And he said that would make to him, I, I thought it was kind of interesting, he said to him it would make more sense because the light of the Lamb would shine evenly all over from that pinnacle. But regardless, this is going to be an awesome thing, isn't it? So this is what I want to close with. We're not done with the series. I've got some more to cover next week. I'm going to talk about the wars that are coming, that were prophesied to come, like Gog and Magog War and other things. But this is what I want to close with today. Judgment begins in the household of God. 1 Peter 4.12, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal among you. I want everybody to read this with me. I want you to really catch this. Which comes upon you for your testing as though some strange thing were happening to you. But to the degree that you share the sufferings of Christ, keep on rejoicing so that also at the revelation of his glory, you may rejoice with exultation. If you are reviled for the name of Christ, you are blessed because the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. Make sure that none of you suffers as a murderer or a thief or evildoer or a troublesome meddler. That's a gossip, busybody type person. But if anyone suffers such a Christian, he is, to, he is not to be ashamed, but is to, the, to glorify God in this name. For it is time, listen to this, for it is time for the judgment to begin with the household of God. And if it begins with us first, what will be the outcome of those who don't, do not obey the gospel? If it is difficult that the righteous are saved, what will become of the godless man and the sinner? Therefore, those also who suffer according to the will of God shall entrust their souls to a faithful creator in doing what is right. So the point is that God right now, the Holy Spirit, judgment is beginning in the household of God. God is wanting to clean house and purify his bride. He wants to prepare. The Holy Spirit is wanting to prepare us for the coming of the Lord. But that's a sobering scripture. If it's difficult for the righteous to be saved, then what's going to be the outcome of the heathen? Jesus warned us to watch and pray. This is what we've got to be doing. If there's things in our life, look, if you're comfortable living in unrepentant sin, you probably have never been born again. You're not saved. You need to get saved, okay? If you're backsliding your way from God, maybe you really were saved, but you're living in sin. You're not ready for his coming. If he comes, you're going to miss it. If you die, there's a good possibility you'll be in hell. Then let's repent. Let's get things right with God. Let judgment begin in our lives tonight. Okay, and Jesus said in regards to his coming, Luke 21, 36, be always on your watch and pray that you'll be able to escape all this that's about to come and that you'll be able to stand before the Son of Man. The Lord is saying for us to watch and pray so we can escape these things. I just read to you all these horrible things, these trumpet and bold judgments, this great tribulation. The bride is called out from that to be at the marriage supper. God's wanting us to watch and pray and then Isaiah 52, 1 says, Awake, awake, Zion, clothe yourself with strength and put on the garments of splendor. Jerusalem, the holy city, the uncircumcised defile will not enter you. But we clothe ourselves with strength through 
prayer. We've got to seek God in prayer. Are y'all hearing me? Repentance, get things right with God, and press in and pray and seek him because through prayer, that's how we're going to be ready for the coming of the Lord. When it says watch and pray, watching has to do with prayer. Awaking has to do with prayer. So I want you guys to really take hold of that tonight, that when you leave out of here, we're going to pray for people, but you cannot ride the coattails of other people's prayer lives. I met, some people think, well, I'll just, you know, the youth pastor, the pastor, my spouse prays, my parents pray. It doesn't work like that. <clears throat> you can't do that. You've got to cultivate a relationship with Jesus Christ for yourself. You need the strength that comes from a personal prayer life. You spending time in prayer with him, you getting to know him. There is a clothing of strength that comes in prayer that's going to give us the grace to endure these last days. And people that refuse to pray, they're not going to be ready. They're not going to have the extra oil. They're not going to have the spiritual strength to resist all the things coming on the world. They're going to be struggling. And so the warning of the Lord is the judgment begins in the household to get things right. But also the warning is we need to draw close to Jesus in prayer. Don't neglect that. Press into him. His grace is sufficient. If we're spending time with him, we're not going to be deceived. If we're spending time in his presence, we're going to know the difference between his presence and a demonic presence. If we're spending time in his word, we're going to know the truth. If we're spending time with him, we're going to have strength, and we're not only going to survive, but I believe we're going to be used to do great exploits. How many believe, listen, if there was great signs and wonders when uh, Israel left Egypt, how much greater the signs and wonders going to be as we're about to get out? I believe the early church started with Peter's shadow healing the sick and all these phenomenal miracles. How do you think we're going to go out? Less than that? I don't think so. I believe that we're going to see even greater things. I really do. I'm not just saying that. I believe we're going to see a greater revival than Acts chapter 2. And we're going to see greater signs and wonders. We're going to see a greater harvest. Peter preached and saw 3,000 say. I believe that it's going to go out and there's going to be, you know, Bonky saw a million people saved in one service. I believe there's going to be millions of people swept into the kingdom. There's going to be major miracles, creative miracles, the dead raised, incredible signs and wonders in these last days. So we're going out of this thing victorious. And I want to be ready when he comes. I don't want to be playing around, playing games, living in sin. The Lord comes, I'm still here. Having to endure this stuff. I don't want that. I want to be, while I'm here, I want to be winning souls, seeing revival, seeing the power of God, seeing awesome things. But when it's time for me to go, I don't want to remain here. I want to be at the marriage supper. Amen? Anybody else with me? Y'all want to be there too? It's going to be for those that have made themselves ready. So, Brother Zach, can you play that CD number four? And I want us to go ahead and shut down recordings, and we're just going to get ready to pray for people tonight. Matthew 25, there were ten virgins. All were, all were virgins. So they, they were ten of God's people, but only five were ready when the Lord came. They were ready because they had extra oil. We need extra oil. We need the...